Well, we're 15 days, uh, ladies and gentlemen, out of the big election. 15 days, can you believe it? It is true. We're going to be focusing in on just that. Loads of candidates we're going to bring in the next two two weeks, including one right now. He's running for the uh, third state senatorial post here in New York. His name is Dean Murray. You're very familiar with him. And uh, we welcome him to the airwaves. Uh, back to the airwaves here on LA News Radio. Sir, how are you? Can you believe 15 days? Well, 15 days, 13 hours, and 26 minutes, but who's counting? Hey, Jay, thanks for having me. Hey, it's always good to have you, uh, Dean, of course, running on the Republican conservative lives. Um, what What is the focus of voters of concern right now, Dean Mark? Oh, it- it, it, it's a combination. It's uh, crime is definitely up there, as is as you and Craig James were saying. The financial were saying there it was uh, the the, fi- the finances, the economy. I mean, those two things have been interacting one and two all the way through the campaign the entire year. Um, crime is out of control, as is. Uh, the financial situation here. You mentioned it. How do you fix it? Well, you, you control spending. And unfortunately, New York government has a problem with controlling spending. We spend like the money's burning a hole in our pocket, and we need to slow that down. And instead of spending and handing the money out, we need to invest that money where we get a return on investment to help the taxpayers. Yeah, and that's what it's about right now. And listen, I've said all along, it's it's crime, it's economy. We've had people on this program who tell me otherwise. Social issues, environment, I don't agree at all. Uh, I think uh, people are very concerned, especially, you know, I heard something this morning where it's an extra month salary now that you have to kind of put into the mix, average family we're talking there, folks, in order to just get by. I mean, if that doesn't say it all, Dean Murray, I don't know what does. Well, and, and leading the charge there is because of the winter months upcoming. It's the you know home heating oil and, and, and the prices of, of heating your home. Uh, that's adding an incredible stress to families who are already stressed financially. So, again, and it all comes back to the out-of-control spending, Jay. Jay, listen, I, I think you've probably heard this statistic before, but if, if anyone out there is wondering, well, what does he mean by that? We, we don't spend that much. New York's state budget for one year this year is 220.5 billion dollars that's more than most nations with a b now we're the fourth most populous state in the nation above us is florida they have two million more people than we do and above them is texas if you take the state budgets of texas and florida and combine them together they still do not spend as much as we do we don't have a revenue problem we have a spending problem no doubt about it dean murray with us running for the senate uh in new york now listen i've known you a long time uh you're a very very successful uh individual as far as working in the assembly uh for a long time you switched gears ran for the senate uh you didn't lose by much not too long ago you're very successful businessman dean murray is as well so I guess the big question is why? Why get back into this game again? Game of politics. But in essence, what, what was the main focus for you to kind of throw your hat back in the ring here, Dean? And that is a very a very popular question that people ask, uh, followed by, did you get your head examined? Uh, you know what, Jay? It's, it's, it, you never really get out of it because, you know, you continue to keep up with things and stay in touch with everyone. Um, but when I started seeing that New York was leading the nation in out-migration, 
We're losing our neighbors, our family, our friends, because they just can't stay here anymore. And when you see the pain in their eyes when they're packing up and leaving, because they don't want to go. They love it here. They want to stay in New York, but they just either can't afford it or they're starting to get afraid. They think it's unsafe. So when I started seeing more and more people leaving and then the redistricting came about and the lines got shifted and all of a sudden the opportunity was there, I spoke to our our county chairman, Jesse Garcia, and uh, said, yeah, I want to get back in. I want to make a difference, and I think I can, because I think, as I said in the beginning, we're having a spending problem that is coming down on the taxpayers again and again and again, and it's forcing them to flee the state, and we're not going to have a future if we don't change things. So I think by bringing my business experience back up to Albany, hopefully I can help to make a difference as far as controlling the out-of-control spending a key word here and i'm doing this a long time also folks and listen i've said when you have one party rule steadily we see it on the national stage we have seen the trickle down effect uh, into the state uh we know one party rule just does not work it just doesn't and uh, that's going to be the very key thing right now as we approach these midterms in 15 days uh but it's about you know having a conglomeration of thoughts and opinions and discussions we don't have that anymore we just don't. No, you're absolutely right. When I ran four years ago, as you said, one of our biggest fears was one party taking control of the entire government, because then they don't need to listen to opposing opinions. They don't need to listen to, to the other side, if you will, before ramming things through, and we see what's happened. Uh, crime is out of control, spending is out of control, and we're losing people left and right. Um, listen, when I first got to Albany, I was amazed. I mean, you know, listen, in, in, in politics, you, you have a bit of an ego. You have to have a little bit of an ego to put your name on the ballot and get out there and run. But, boy, when I got to Albany, I realized, hey, I'm not the smartest guy in the room here. I need to listen to some of these folks because they, they really know what they're talking about. And I really enjoyed when we would have the debates and we would, we would have the back and forth, the difference of opinion with things, because i got to tell you, that's how you... Uh, discover other ways of thinking about problems, and that's when you can come up with the best solution. Right now, we've got one party rule, and that one party refuses to accept that they messed up, and we need to fix things like bail reform, or things like less is more, or raise the age. We need to fix these things because it's broken, and it's dangerous now, Jay. We need that descending opinion, if you will. So we do need balance in government. Why? That's why it's imperative that we get Lee Zeldin into the governor's mansion and hopefully uh, get enough seats in the Senate to, to flip the Senate back to uh, Republican control so we have that balance there instead of one-party rule, as you said. With us, you know, it's, it's really true. I mean, you know, you could sound off. We sound off all the time. Listen, we try as, and be objective as we can. We try and do that on this program. That's how we set the course. You know, we have everybody on. I don't care what party affiliation. But, you know, the one thing I, I find missing is common sense. We don't have it anymore. You see, the problem is we can sound off on all of these categories, but things will not change. And the reason why is because you have people right now who don't want to change. You know, you have the Hasties and the Stuart Cousins, and listen, you got a governor. The governor's finally sounding off on crime, but quite frankly, you know, I hear a stat this morning, 13 people shoved onto the tracks of subways. Wow. 13 people so far, which is unbelievable. 13, folks, so, so far this year. 
Uh, there is very little enforcement out there. Dean, I mean, how do you fix what would be the top three things as far as fixing this criminal activity that favors these thug these thug thugs out there? I mean, what what well, would be the three things to kind of turn around and and take it by side of the people here? Right. Well, well. First, let me point this out that, that, as you said, the governor is now finally recognizing that crime is an issue, and the only reason that happened is because the poll numbers started changing so drastically that she couldn't help but pay attention now. Which makes you wonder if she were to win, go away. Do they just ignore it again, like they've been doing? That's the concern. That's the problem. But the number one thing, right out of the gate, the first thing is to repeal bail reform. Uh, you need to repeal it, and you need, at the same time, to give the judges discretion to consider the dangerousness of the crime and of the accused, as well as their past criminal history when they're setting bail. Uh, right now, we're the only state in the nation. Forty-nine other states give their judges that discretion. We do not. They have no ability to hold someone. It's basically based on what they are charged with, period. It's like a checklist. So, you know, anybody can sit up at the bench right now. We have really good judges in New York. We need to let them do their job. So that's the first thing. Second thing, things like raise the age. A couple of years ago, raise the age is when they changed the, the age of criminal responsibility. So they said, well, we don't think teenagers should be responsible for all these crimes. They're, they're just kids. They don't know. We're going to raise the age to criminal responsibility to 18 years old. Well, they didn't really think that through, because we nicknamed it, and my buddy Al Graff, former assemblyman, had the nickname for it, and that wasn't raised the age, it was the Gang Recruitment Act, because that's what happened. The gangs looked at this and said, hey, we can get 15, 16, 17-year-olds to do the serious crimes, and if they get caught, they go to family court. They don't even go to criminal court, because they won't be criminally charged. So let's get them to do all of it. So I spoke to the inspector at the 7th Precinct. He said that law in itself has put more guns into the hands of kids than anything I've ever seen in my career. And he's right. We're seeing it. these kids doing heinous crimes right now. And we say, what is going on? Well, that's why. That's specifically why. Because we raise the age, and when they get caught, they go to family court. Uh, they'll go to juvenile detention or something for a couple of years. By the time they're 18, they're back out, and they're in the gang. Congratulations, you're a gang member. Meanwhile, we have more and more serious crime victims. So we need to change and drop raise the age and allow the district attorneys to charge based on the crime, not on the age of the criminal. For example, if you're shot and killed by a 15-year-old, you're just as dead if you were shot and killed by a 30-year-old. The crime is that serious and needs to be uh, charged accordingly. So that's another thing that we need to do. And by doing these things, Jay, it's going to change the attitude. Because that's the thing that people aren't, 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 you don't see that immediately. You see that bail reform puts criminals out, out on the streets again. You see raise the age causes problems with, with kids getting involved in more dangerous crimes. But what you don't see is when you arrest that person for a crime and you know that they're going to be walking out the door of the police station within hours because of the bail reform law, what do you think that does to the morale of the men and women of the police force who've dedicated their lives to protecting the community, to upholding the law. And they look up, they're not even finished their paperwork, they look up and see somebody accused of a serious crime walking out the door laughing and waving at them. They then get back to the community, and what does that send, what message does that send there? Hey, you can do whatever you want with no repercussions. 
And that's why it's imperative that we take not just tweaks and little fixes here and there, uh, but we need to repeal it, start again, do it right. So those are some of the things that we can do to fix this. And then the power's in Lee Zeldin's hands, too, as governor. The minute he gets in, he said he will get rid of DAs like Alvin Bragg, who are not doing their job. That's the third thing, and that lies with the governor, which the legislature can help him do. So that needs to happen as well. Listen, I I mean, I agree with you on all fronts. I mean, the only thing I would add, besides the judges and giving them full discretion, consider public safety, even their powers back, is, you know, what I have stated all along regarding disclosure and discovery. You know, you have to... You have to reverse the presumption on rapid disclosure of victim and witness info. And as far as discovery, you have to kind of, you know, you slash the rest of the new discovery requirement, at least to a level where you have an even playing field. You know, crime labs, prosecutors, that they can manage in a timely manner. You can't let defense attorneys, which is what happening, what's happening now, uh, game the system by gumming up the works until the prosecution gives in. You know, so, right. you know, you add those two to the judge's situation. And listen, you know, one of the biggest things regarding enforcement is, you know, this the whole thing where you go, and it's not being made enough of folks. And that's the quality of immunity. You know, Dean, we've spoken about this a million times, but now you are subjected to possible lawsuits and everything else. I mean, come on. I mean, we've got to This is what I mean about a common sense approach. We've got to be able to restore something here. Common sense. Well, that and, and this is also affecting recruitment. I just saw an article that we're going to lose, as far as the police force in New York State, we're going to lose uh, so many to retirement or early retirement. They're just leaving, Jay, and no one wants to join now because imagine this job description. Okay, here's the job. You're going to get up every day and you're going to put on your gun and your belt and your handcuff, protective equipment and bulletproof vest and everything to go out, put yourself in the middle of crimes, uh, try to help victims while people are running up to you and sticking their camera phones in your face as you're trying to do your job, screaming and yelling at you, cursing at you, trying to get you to do something on camera that they can use all over the video. Imagine this happening every single day. Oh, and you might be shot at, you might be attacked, you might be punched, um, and things like this. Oh, and if you fight back or even try to do your job properly, you could be sued. You could lose everything, your home, your pension, your career, everything. So where do you sign up? Right? I mean, are you kidding me? And this is this is reality, Jay. This is actually what they're facing right now. I spent time with some of the police officers. I'm I'm lucky enough to be enforced by uh, or be endorsed by all of the law enforcement agencies. I was with some of the Suffolk police the other uh, about a week ago, and we're just talking about this. And they said, "Man, I got to tell you, it's it's demoralizing. You know, we are really concerned about the future of the police force because nobody wants to do this right now. And why would you?" So we need to take steps to to kind of back that off and allow them to do their jobs, give them the tools to do their job, and give them the protections necessary to do their jobs. So you're right. Uh, Recruitment is uh, at an all-time low. Nobody wants to become a cop, and why? You're not appreciated. Um, You're limited as far as how you can confront a criminal, uh, as far as, you uh, you know, stepping on a guy's diaphragm. My goodness, forget it. Uh, you know, I mean, listen, they, they see what's out there right now. You know, they see what's out there, and there is nothing inviting at all. Nothing inviting at all of becoming a cop. My brother was a cop for 20 years. He got out at the right time in the city. Well, because you know, because they he, don't saw feel it, that- Dean, he saw it coming. He saw it yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah. 
You know? yeah, nobody it feels like they, nobody has their back. That's the concern, is nobody has our back. We're on an island by ourselves trying to do a job to protect the community. I mean, this is a, a vital job that we need. Um, who are you going to call when you're in danger? I mean, you know, you're not going to call a counselor. You're not going to call somebody to come talk it out. You need the police. Well, who are you going to call when there's no police there anymore because no one wants to do the job? I mean, it's getting scary, Jay. It really is. And they need to know that we have their back, and we will give them the resources they need and the protections they need as well. A question. Dean Murray is running for the state Senate, third senatorial, ladies and gentlemen, 15 days out. Uh, before you know it, we got early voting in play. So as you kind of go down the stretch here, uh, the mindset of people that you're encountering right now is, yeah, there's trouble out there. we got to fix it. I mean, give me an idea. Give me a sense in uh, in your final thoughts, my friend, as far as the change, the feedback, everything you're kind of going in and around that that third district. There's been some restructuring, too, going on there, too, right? Right, right, yes. And, it's, and we've gone into some areas that were new that I did not represent when I was in the Assembly. And, and i got to tell you, we were well, well, you know, they welcomed us with open arms. It's been really, it's been fantastic meeting everyone and old friends from areas where I served before. But the, the mantra, Jay, that we're hearing is change is absolutely vital. They, they, this is not working. And that's what we're hearing everywhere we go. And I go back to what I said earlier in the conversation is the, the most disturbing thing about this is the leaders of this one-party rule in Albany will not even acknowledge that change is needed. They won't even acknowledge it. It's basically, look, we know what, what's best for you. Just be quiet and sit in the corner. What they're not realizing is we're not sitting in the corner. We're packing up and leaving. And that's what's happening at record numbers. So we need change in Albany, and that is the overwhelming theme that we're hearing out there, knocking on doors and talking to people, Jay. So that's the most disingenuous of it all. When you get crickets uh, from the majority leader and Andrew Stewart-Cousins and the Speaker of the Assembly, and that being Carl Hastings in New York, I mean, you know, that, that, that kind of says it all. Because... What they're trying to say to you folks is, you know what, this is just another revelation of the press hyping it up. That's really what it is. I mean, can you imagine this? Uh, Somebody's pushed into the subway tracks the other day, and and that's what it's all about. It's about hyping it up. Uh, And if that doesn't say it all, I don't know what does. Well, Jay, I'm sure what's out there right now, it's hard to believe. Nobody is sounding off any of this stuff. And that's the most uh, troubling aspect, you know. Uh, but it is what it is. Dean Murray, we will follow your trek as uh, you make your way in for the next 15 days. I'm sure we'll have you on again as well. Yeah, that sounds great, Jay. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.